We are in faith and discipline. We started in January uh, with the disciplines of our faith, those things that we uh, should do, must do. I think that uh, these are the things that God's provided for and expected of us to do every day of our lives, whether we feel like it or not. We're supposed to spend time with God every day. Spend time with the master. We're, we're, we're supposed to spend time in the word of God every day. We're supposed to spend time in prayer every day. We're supposed to spend time telling other people about Jesus every day. We're supposed to spend time uh, serving one another every day. We're supposed to spend time serving folks outside every day. See, these are things that if we do them every day, God uses these things to grow us in our relationship with him. If we neglect these things, we go from Sunday to Sunday and that's all we get, then guess what? You're going to starve. Okay? So the disciplines of our faith are those necessary things that God has provided for us to do. And then we, we looked at Ecclesiastes and found out how not to do faith. Solomon made a mess. Okay? Now we've been in Romans for the last couple months and, and, and we're beginning the last section as we come through the end of uh, September. We'll finish up the thematic sort of approach to Romans and, and what we're looking at and what we've been looking at are these, these key things like the gospel, the good news, the, the salvation that God's promised us in Jesus Christ and provided for us in Jesus Christ. And yet we also learn that there is sin, there is bad news. Sin is the bad news, and yet God has provided redemption. We've looked at, at justification. We've looked at redemption. We've looked at sanctification. We've looked at, at righteousness by justification. And we've seen all of these things as, as Paul knits this together in the book of Romans. And then the last couple of weeks, what we've looked at is, is how this progress and plan of God's redemption has been brought through from the very Garden of Eden when God promised that there would be a, a, a salvation provided through the seed of woman, right? And how God used the nation and, and Israel as, as a, a, a vehicle of, of Christ's birth. And yet Israel missed it. Somehow Israel, Israel got confused about what God had given and provided for them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But I, I really just kind of want to tell you right now that as we look at this today, we're going to see something that's not just about Israel, but it's about us also. And, and it's going to be helpful for us to pay attention. So we're in Romans chapter 11. We're going to read verses 11 through 24. And here we go. I ask then... Have they stumbled so as to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their transgression, and he's talking about Israel, uh, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression um, brings riches to the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness bring? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles, insofar as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If I might somehow make my own people jealous to save some of them. For if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now, if the first fruits are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive, cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you are better than those branches. 
But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but you, the root sustains you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough. They were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he'll not spare you either. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you if you remain in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even if, and even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in because God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive, cultivated olive tree, boy, I have trouble with that one. How much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? This is, this is Paul's, he's writing about his own people. And, and he's writing from a broken heart. We saw that last week in chapter 10, that, that he grieves for his own people who, who have not known or, or acknowledged or trusted the Messiah Jesus. He, as a Pharisee and as, as one who was, who was very regimented in the law, you see, and, 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 and Jew among Jews, he says, you know, uh, to, to have this pedigree of his, of his faith and his identity and his life. And then all of a sudden, in, in an instant on the road to Damascus, to be able to acknowledge and recognize Jesus as Lord, as his master, as his savior, that it completely changed, not just his life, but it changed who he was. And so now he writes in Romans about his, just the brokenheartedness he feels because the Jews, the Hebrew people missed it. And I shared that two weeks ago and then uh, Nick followed up with, with, with more of it last week. And so today we're going to really talk about Israel's redemption. So join me in prayer, all right? Father, we thank you for today and the opportunity we have to turn into your word and understand, God, that, that you have a message for us. In these writings by Paul regarding his own people, regarding the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, God, you, you, you have for us a message of blessing, but also a message of warning, God, that we might understand, God, what it is that you're doing, but God, that we might see it and know it and experience it in our own lives. So God, help us to pay attention to you, to pay attention to your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I want to thank you and thank Nick and everybody for jumping in last week. We did run into a bit of a crisis Thursday week ago with my dad, but but crisis averted and uh, and got and spent the week with him and got some things kind of kind of set out. Uh, I've been jokingly, but not jokingly, telling everybody I bought my parents an alarm clock. Uh, you can program eight different alarms, and they're watching, so they know. So at seven o'clock every morning, this is what they hear in my voice. Good morning, Mom and Dad. <laughs> it's time to wake up. So, and it'll do that in repeat until they hit the OK button on the top of the clock. So, morning, Mom and Dad. Glad you're here. <laughs> Folks, I want y'all to know something. I am an incredible NBA basketball player. I have got an incredible crossover. I've got a jump shot that just cannot quit. I am respected all throughout the league. And everybody knows my name, right? How many of you believe that? <laughs> and no one does. No one has faith in anything that I just said. 
There is not a person that I know. I could get up in, in people that don't even know who I am, and I stand up and go, I am an NBA basketball player, and people go, yeah, right. People won't believe me when I say that, right? How about if I told you that I've written three books? You'd go, really? Hadn't seen them? Why, 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 why aren't they for sale out in the T-shirt case? Right? Uh, why, why, why haven't we seen them in the library? Because I've only written them in my head. The first one was in the 90s and I was a youth pastor and I wanted to write a book entitled The Hopeless Generation. And the reason being because I was watching young people put their faith and trust in things of the world and finding them to come up nothing. And they were putting their hope in, in, in things like success or or friendships or relationships or this this entertainment industry and and all this kind of stuff and it was just coming up so empty that they were so despondent and despairing and then we wonder why 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 suicide rises to the to the epidemic proportions that we see it today see i never wrote that book but it was up here i wrote the second book i wrote was entitled uh, love god and act like it Right? Because a lot of people say, I love God, but they don't act like it. That's what today's message is about. The third one happened to be when Eli and I were talking a couple years ago. I'm writing these daily devotionals, those of you who get gathering in the Word. <clears throat> and the idea was, why don't we put it in print form? Ah, there's too much copyright problems with that. So, uh, so anyway, you see, point is, is that I can tell you I've done this, but if there's not evidence that I've done it, then guess what? You're not going to believe that I've done it, right? There are people who will say, I love God, but there's no evidence of a love for God. That second book, based on the, the, the text of the, the two greatest commandments when Jesus was approached and said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that look like? Is there testimony in your life? Is there evidence in your life that you live out your love for God? Well, see, here's the truth of this passage. What Paul's revealing to us is, is, that, is that the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, uh, claimed a love for God, but what they really loved was the law. You see, they loved the boundaries. They, they, they loved sort of the, 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 the stringent uh, aspects of, well, I know if I do this, then I'm Right? I know that if I do this, then I'm okay. I know that if I do this, then I'm following the rules and, and, and everything will be all. No, what, what God said was is that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not love my law with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, they turned the relationship that God offered them into religion and religiosity. They turned it into a to-do list, you see? And so what Paul is saying right here is he says, I asked them, have they stumbled as to fall? No, absolutely not. On the contrary, it's their transgression that has allowed salvation to come to the Gentiles, that the Hebrew people who rejected Jesus, who rejected the Messiah, who rejected loving God, as opposed to loving the law, has allowed the gospel to be shared throughout the world. You see, here's the sad truth of this. 
There are people sitting in pointed buildings all over the world today who say they love God, but they don't. They're fakes, imposters, you see? Because their life doesn't say, I love God. The evidence of who they are doesn't reflect a love for God. It reflects a love for something, but not God, you see? And that's what Paul's talking about right here. So when he looks at this, what we're going to find out today is that Israel will indeed be redeemed. Israel will be redeemed, but it will be by faith in Jesus, okay? I remember years ago when I was in classes, you know, those, those eschatology classes on the end times and, and, and the, the, the soteriology classes on salvation. And, and then you start looking at these things where people say, well, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And here's what I realized back then. Nobody's going to get to heaven without trusting in Jesus. Nobody. Not Jews, not Gentiles. Nobody's getting to heaven without acknowledging and trusting Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Lord and Savior of humanity. And so when we look at this passage and we see Paul talking about the fact that, that yes, the, the, the Jews, the Israelites can be regrafted into God's family by faith, by trusting Jesus. You see, God's not finished with this yet. It's amazing to me that people make these definitive statements about what God is going to do and what God's not going to do. If it's not in here, you see then we can't make those statements. What, what Paul is pointing out when we see this is, is that God is not finished. God's work is timeless. God's work is eternal. Uh, I, 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 I don't mind having theological conversations. I'll be honest with you. I don't have them as much anymore as, because usually when people want to engage me in some kind of theology statement, they really just want to argue with me. And I just don't argue. I go, okay. You know, you, you show it to me. Find it. Show, show me how that verse differs from that verse or, or why that verse has a different kind of connotation than that verse. You see, God's work is eternal. God sits outside of time, so what he sees is everything all at once. <clears throat> Do you know there's no such prefix as pre to God? Because for God, it's all right there in front of him. For us, there's a pre and a for and a post, and an after. But to God, it's all present. He sees it like this great tapestry, this great piece of art, that all of his creation is before him, and he's at work in all of it. Now, I, I honestly, I'm bound by time. I wear a watch. I'm bound by this. Guess what? It's 847 according to my watch, which is actually linked to my phone, which is actually linked to T-Mobile, so I don't have a clue what time it is, actually. Except that my watch tells me it's 847. In a minute, it'll be 848, and I'm bound by that, right? You see what I mean? God's not. So God's at work in his people. God's at work in the body of Christ. Do you know there are folks that are sitting in church who say they love God, but they don't love God? There's some fake people. 
sitting within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls it in the parable of the sower and, and, and the other parable, the, the wheats and the tares. The, 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 within the body of Christ, there are those who look like the body of Christ, but they're not. They say they love God, but they don't. You see? So, so there's a real caution for us in this. There's a caution to examine ourselves and, 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 and what we love most and what we love best and, and how that's reflected in our lives. I've been writing this week and, and you'll get it. I guess this coming week you'll get the, the, the devotionals that, that, that are on the Nicodemus question about what must I do to inherit eternal life. Actually, Nicodemus never even asked the question. He just walked up and said, Teacher, we know you're from God because you do things that only God could do. And Jesus said, Yes, you must be born again. And Nicodemus went, What? You mean re-enter the womb? Right? This is the whole big question. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? What does it mean to follow the Spirit of God's leadership in your life? That you are so sold out, surrendered, and abandoned to what God wants in your life that when people see your life, they know he, she, they love God. See, that's what Paul's talking about right here, that God's not finished yet, that there was a pruning. Now, if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you're better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. You see, what he's saying is, is that, that God began this work and he's not finished with this work yet and that, and that there, there is a pruning and has been a pruning that takes place and that Israel's unbelief has actually resulted in Gentile belief that the gospel went forth from that planting there in Israel. But guess what? While Paul was writing these words to, the, to Roman Christians, most of the people reading these words were actually Jews who believed and trusted Jesus. Now, many Gentiles were too because Paul was preaching throughout the Roman Empire. But, but, but because of the, the Jerusalem diaspora, when all the Jews were scattered out of Jerusalem because of persecution, Jews went into all the, the different towns and cities and places and villages throughout the Roman Empire, and they established places of worship throughout the Roman Empire. And so as they established places of worship, as, as Paul evangelized and moved throughout the, the whole missionary journeys in Ephesus and, and Thessalonica and Corinth and all these places, there were, there were Jewish Christians sharing the good news with with gentile unbelievers and gentiles came to faith in jesus christ and so god created what paul refers to as the new israel you see so and and and, and i'll go ahead and give credit where credit is due if you keep reading beyond verse 24 where it says uh, uh in verse 24 it says for if you were cut off your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? 
And then verse 25 goes on to say, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Now, some people interpret that and say, yeah, just every Jew that's ever been born is going to be saved. No, every Jew that trusts Jesus will be saved, and that's Israel. See, that's God's people. That's God's kids. See, nobody's going to heaven without trusting Jesus. If so, then what Jesus said is not true. Jesus said, I am the way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, not Gentile, not Jew, comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. Israel's future faith. This is what I think is going to be incredible. I think one day among the Hebrew people and Jewish people, we're going to see this incredible great awakening this fullness that's all, you know, uh, I, we, we, I've, okay, here you go. Here's a confession. You ready? I've baptized a few Jewish people in this congregation. I mean, folks who are Jewish by ethnicity and by their, their family lineage and come to this realization and acknowledgement of Jesus Christ and say, <clears throat> I trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and ask Him for forgiveness of my sins and I acknowledge that He's the Messiah and, and I want to be baptized. And I'm like, yeah! Right? Let's do it! But here's one thing they will say, but I'm not converting. And I go, really? And so I started looking into that because Jews don't convert, Jews complete. See, they acknowledge Christ as Savior. They have the promise from the beginning. And then they acknowledge and recognize Jesus for who He is. And they become what is referred to in Messianic congregations as completed Jews. How about that? And I think we're going to see this fullness come. I think we're going to see the, uh, the Hebrew people, Jewish people, just come to this recognition and realization that Jesus is who he says he is. And yes, all of Israel will be saved because of the, they will like Philippians 2, 10 and 11 say, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. See? So when we look at Israel's redemption, what we're seeing is, is that, that some who are eth ethnically uh, Jewish and Hebrew will indeed believe. And some will, will bow and, and will be saved just as you and I who believe and have vowed are saved. One of the questions I always ask, do out there on the beach, and, and we're going to be doing baptism on the 10th and the 17th, y'all. We've been baptizing all summer long. It's been a blast. Folks come on and go, I want to be baptized. Okay, let's go. Going to the beach. Doesn't have to be an event. We got the ocean all the time. Right? But I ask this question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God? And their testimony is yes. Do you believe he came to this earth? He lived a perfect and sinless life. That he, he was crucified, buried. He rose on the third day and he's alive right now. Yes. And have you trusted him? for forgiveness of your sins and trusted him for your salvation. Yes! Then let's jump in the ocean together. Right? 
See, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord above everything else in the world and in our lives. See? But here's the challenge, folks. The heart is a fickle thing. And we can sit in this room with all kind of encouragement. Everybody, when we look around us and we say, oh, we're all here for the same reason. We're all here because we love God. We're all here because we've trusted Jesus. But then when we leave this room, is our life a testimony of our love for God? You see? Does the way you act, do the things you do say to the world around you, I love God. I love what God has shared with us in His Word. I trust God and His Word. I want to live out my love for God. Because among the Hebrew people, there were, there were folks who said, we love God. But what they really loved more was the law. And there are people in churchianity who say they love God, but what they love are the name tags. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I said the words. Oh yeah, I did the water. Or, or, or we might get into that thing where we say, oh yeah, uh, I'm a Baptist. Or, or, or I'm Catholic. Or Presbyterian. Or Methodist. Or, and, and, and we love the name tags more than we love the God who redeemed us. And saved us from the corruption of sin. And, and, and some will believe, some will bow, and they will be saved. Guess what? Some have not, and some will not, and they won't be saved. See, as we make our way through Romans, what we're finding out is Paul is giving us a very specific plan of God's salvation. The plan of redemption. The way that God has worked to accomplish God's purpose and plan for His people. See, I want to be God's people. I want to be one of those people that, that, that when, when the question is asked, do you love God? Then I don't even have to answer that our life is the testimony of our love for God. Not our love for church or titles or name tags or definitions because that's legalism. That's, that's exactly what the law became. I just love God and I want to glorify Him with my life. You see, that's what God's looking for. To be grafted into the tree. Right? Uh, we were in Greece many years ago and it was amazing to ride through the countryside and see the olive orchards. Just miles of olive trees. And to think that when, when Paul was writing these words and when the Old Testament writers were writing about olive trees and olive oil and, and all of those things to realize how just driving or they didn't have cars and didn't ride 
down the road, but but just going down the paths to see the olive trees that were just just everywhere, and that being a very present illustration of the life that God created for His people. Anybody, anybody seen an olive tree in, anywhere near where we live? Have you seen one here? There are some olive trees in the area, huh? Yeah. It was incredible to me to see field after field after field of olive trees. They're almost silver looking. It's amazing. You see? To be grafted into the tree that God purposed and planted. That's who we are. Okay? If you don't know Jesus this morning, guess what? You can. You can be acquainted with Him. We can introduce you to Him. You can acknowledge and trust Him as Savior and Lord. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you know you are. But you recognize in your life the the way the world has distracted you. The way you serve maybe ideologies or or, or causes or these 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 things that 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 the world uses to 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 draw our attention. Maybe you want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. You know, we're going to sing one more song. This is your opportunity just to respond to God. If you want to know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to Him. But really, what needs to happen is you just need to respond to God. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, if God's laid something on your heart this morning, God just wants to hear you say yes. Okay? Pray with me. Father, thank you for today and for what you're doing. I thank you, God, that that we get to be a part of something so much bigger than we. So much bigger than who we are. God, I thank you that you have promised redemption and salvation. So if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know salvation, they've never trusted Jesus, maybe, maybe they became acquainted somehow through, through church or, or, or through something else, but God, they've never just completely surrendered and, and, and submitted themselves to who you are. God, my prayers this morning is that we wouldn't leave this place without being completely, wholly surrendered to you. God, let our lives tell the world that we love you first. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.